Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dreams Unlimited Travel Podcast. My name is John Magi, and I'll be your host. And in this episode, Kevin Close and myself are going to tell you about our most recent Adventures by Disney backstage magic trip that we took around Christmas. I'm joined at the table by our panel of experts, Client Services Manager for Dreams Unlimited Travel, Kevin Close. Hi, everyone. Agent Consultant for Dreams Unlimited Travel, Tracy Heinrichs. Hi, everyone. And our producer, Craig Williams. Hello. Again, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you guys for being here. Um, We are recording this show at the end of 2018. It's going to be shown in 2019. So we're going to be talking about a trip Kevin and I just got back from, which is our Adventures by Disney Backstage Magic group trip. Now, we have done several of these shows because we do several of these trips. We do two a year. Kevin and I do one. Someone else does the other one. But we've talked about this trip a lot. I think most people know basically what the day-to-day is. So we're not going to go through the day-to-day. But I want to talk about some of the new stuff we got to see, some of the new stuff we did, perhaps maybe not part of the group, and also specifically what it was like to do it at Christmas time, which was incredible. If you're going to do one of these, do them at Christmas time. That's my, that's my advice to everybody. So again, Disneyland. Uh, Adventures by Disney Backstage Magic is the story of Walt as he traveled from Hollywood and started the studios through Imagineering and making Disneyland and we wind up in Disneyland. Just to give you an overview of the trip, it's five nights. You start with a welcome dinner, usually on a Sunday. Uh, Monday is Hollywood Day. There's several things that are done. You go to Henson Studios. You usually visit the Tam Shanter restaurant. Tuesday is the tentpole day on this trip. It's the day you leave Hollywood and you head towards Disneyland, but you stop at Disney Studios and Imagineering. And then Wednesday, by Tuesday night, you're in Disneyland. Wednesday night is uh, Magic Kingdom Day. I was told they don't call it the Magic Kingdom in California. They call it Disneyland. (laughs) I thought of that when you tweeted it. I thought, oh, he's going to be raked over the coals. Yes, I know. (laughs) We do Disneyland on the the first day and then California Adventure on the second day. And then Friday is your farewell breakfast. That's the typical trip. That's the typical trip. Again, this is a group. This is a group that we put together, Dreams Unlimited Travel did. But there are many of these trips throughout the year you can book directly with Adventures by Disney. doesn't have to be one of our groups. But it should be. But you can book get through us or Dreams Unlimited Travel for an Adventures by Disney, not necessarily waiting for one of our groups because our groups sell out kind of quick. We do fill them up pretty quickly. So let's talk a little bit about some of the things that were different for this trip. And you were talking to Tracy about it before we uh, started something we did on our own, which was the restaurant in Hollywood. I've always wanted to visit the restaurant. When you stay at the Lowe's Hollywood Hotel, you're right next to the Chinese Theater. You're right next to the Dolby Theater where the Academy Awards are held. And up in the hills, the Hollywood Hills behind the hotel is Yamashiro. It's an Asian restaurant. It's been there for decades it's sort of a Hollywood landmark. And we've always wanted to go, and we were going to go one year, and we didn't go. We went this year. There was a bunch of us who went up to the hill. I thought the view was beautiful. I thought the trip up was... It's treacherous. It's treacherous is what it is. The single lane up the side of the Hollywood Hills. Right. And In the dark. 
Is it like prison on the hill, treacherous? But for much shorter time. Much shorter time, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to go quite Italian. so far. <laughs> um, but yes, like there are places where there's no guardrail. <laughs> and John was driving. I trust John completely. Um, I would say I think the overwhelming consensus was the food was sort of, hmm. It was not bad, but it wasn't. Other than the view, I wouldn't drive up this hill again to get to this restaurant. This place is all about location, and all about history. And it's also about its legacy and history, yeah. It's a beautiful view. Yeah, I didn't care for the food. I thought the food was bad, and I thought it was overpriced. I would definitely not do it again. But I'm glad we had a chance to do it, because it's one of the things we talk about a lot. Sure. We should go there. We should do it. Um, it, it was a fire hazard. <laughs> I mean, it is all dried wood. And creaky, and I thought, oh my god, let's get out of here before something bad happens. But, however, we do something that I can't recommend highly enough. Last year, the last last time we did this trip, we drove out to Malibu to show some friends Malibu. We drove down from the Santa Monica Pier toward or north, excuse me, towards Malibu, and there was a restaurant along the beach, and I thought this is going to be fun based on location. The name of the restaurant is Moon Shadow. And it's literally on the ocean. When you're inside, there are huge windows and you can't see ground underneath you. It's that far out over the beach. And it's sort of, you feel like you're on a cruise ship. And this is my second trip there. We just had brunch there. And I can't tell you how good it was. It, I had two meals that were spectacular. That one, and then we ate at Club 33. And I, we were trying to decide which was better. This is... About 40-minute drive from the Lowe's Hotel. So if you have a car, I can't recommend it highly yeah. enough. One of our favorite things now to do is go to Moon Shadows. Um, I don't know about that particular restaurant, but I do want to point out that in Hollywood, very Uber-friendly. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy for you. If you go on a Backstage Magic and you have a free pre-night or something, you want to go and try something or do something different? Very easy to get I an don't Uber. Know that this would be good for an Uber. It's kind of far. No, it's far for an Uber. But anything else, you know, if you want to go to the Grove, if you want to go to the farmers market, very easy. Hollywood's one of those cities that's very easy to get. We around. have a tradition that when we rent our car at the airport and start heading towards the hotel, our first stop is at the farmers market for lunch. And again, great going this time of year. The farmer's market, the Grove, is beautiful, decorated for Christmas. Great weather in Hollywood. Really puts us in the mood. So one of the things we did different for this group, when when we have these groups, we try to do something that we plus. And in the past, we've talked about having Margaret Carey, who is the body inspiration for Tinkerbell. She has a book. Marty Sklar. Mm -hmm. We've had Don Ballard, who is the expert on the Disneyland Hotel. So we always try to do something different, something new. This time we had, who did we have? We had Bob Gurr. And Bob came. We usually do this during our trip where, you know, sometime during the trip where we can get some space. And Bob Gurr came to our welcome dinner and decided instead of giving a speech and just talking to us, he would answer our questions. He talked for about 45 minutes. And I have to say, everybody in the room thought, Let's give him another hour or two. He was wonderful. Couldn't say enough nice things. It's about really him. nice to have that sort of connection to Walt. You know, this is someone who worked for Walt, firsthand knew him. So it was interesting to hear his stories. Um, he talked about being um, one of, I believe he said, 18 Imagineers, all hired within the same time frame. And he's the last remaining one. He's the last one. John and I think that 
there are these people who have these stories and we have listeners and fans and people who want to travel with us who want to hear those stories. So we kind of think it's our responsibility to see if we can get them in the same room. I find too with, um, was it Margaret Carey? Was that her name? I was fascinated by her. I felt like I was watching Tinkerbell as she was moving. And I think whether it's Margaret Carey or Bob Kerr, Marty Sklar, they really fit into what the story of this backstage magic is. They definitely do. It's the, you know, it's Walt's journey. And they're such an integral part of that journey. So it just, it fits so nicely. I asked Bob, one of the questions that was asked was mine. I asked him to tell us something about Walt that we didn't know. We've all read the books. We've all heard the stories. You hear the legends. And he said, the people who are writing the books are people who are doing research. So what they're doing is they're researching what other people have said. He said, I can tell you firsthand that Walt was a terrific boss. You always knew where you stood. He said he was friendly and warm and encouraging and wanted you to do your best work. But Walt was not your buddy. Walt was the head of the company. And he said he sort of had to respect that because there were times when Walt had to say no. I don't want to do that. I thought he described that very well. I'm not doing it justice. But, you know, people refer to him as Uncle Walt. And he said he wasn't Uncle Walt. He was Walt Disney. He understood his place. but And he wanted you to do your very best work. And if he saw you doing something and when I came over and asked you what you were doing and you said, oh, I'm thinking about something I have to do after work, he would say to you, then you're not thinking in my best interest. So it was interesting to hear. And it was great to hear because... Bob Gerwalt worked with Walt Disney. Right. It was a, a one degree of separation. Yeah. He wasn't recounting a story. Right. So, so I want to give a plug for something that Bob does. Um, we're not affiliated with this. We're not related to it. We get nothing off of it. He's actually running a tour. He does a bus tour in, in uh, that area, Anaheim, Hollywood area, where he takes people on a bus and he talks about the Walt Disney story and they... Don't do the exact same things that you do on a backstage magic. He doesn't go into Imagineering, but they go to Imagineering, and he'll tell stories about that. He'll go to uh, the house where Walt's house was. They go up and to Griffith Park. where they started, um, where the Walt and Roy started in Los Burbank. Feliz. Yes. Los so this is his, you know, he sort of has created this thing based on his history. So I think that if you're interested in Bob Gurr, if you want to you know, learn more about that and Walt Disney, something you should look into. The story um, is that if you ride transportation in Disneyland, Bob had a hand in it. Right. We also learned just recently that Bob created King Kong, helped create King Kong at Universal Studios. Uh, there was a whole bunch of stuff. This man's fascinating. He has a long and storied career, and he's 87. And he has more energy than you do. Way more energy. Did than he you ride do. up on a bike when he came to meet you? <laughs> yeah, pretty much <laughs> in line skates. Um, so yeah, if again, I just want to make sure I plug that for him again. You can find it on the internet. Something you're interested in, do it with him. He's fascinating. Hang and, out with a Disney legend. Yeah, for sure. It's worthwhile. All right. So moving on to, uh, you know, we do our Hollywood portion and we do our normal stuff, and it's always great and it's always fascinating. And then we move on to the studios. And in the studios, we got to do something we've never had a chance to do before. 
something that was pretty spectacular. Um, I'm not giving anything away because I said, is this a secret? I'm not supposed to tell because there's stuff along the way they ask you not to reveal. Don't talk about the stuff you see at Imagineering. They said, no, this is not a secret. Other people have been there. D23 has been there. And it's, you want to talk about it? Yeah. Um, I'm going to start with, I just got to tell something else first. I find that when we do this, that I get to see things that are connected to the origin of Disneyland. And I find them very important and very moving. But every once in a while, there's something very personal. That there's a, a personal connection to Walt Disney. I've talked about this before. We were in the archives one day, and we got to see the first ticket at, uh, issued for Disneyland, and we got to see the little uh, animatronic that was they think was um, the precursor to the Tiki Room. And these things are all interesting. But in the cabinet was a pair of Walt Disney's eyeglasses. And I think to myself, there's not a lot that's more personal than your eyeglasses. You can share that animatronic with everybody else. You can share a script with everybody else. Your eyeglasses are very personal. And I found that very moving, that there was a part of him there. We got to go through Walt's office. Um, Dave Smith, who was the archivist at the... um, Studios. The studios. And he was asked, after Walt Disney passed away, to not only photograph but catalog everything that was in the office. And they've got his original catalog. Excuse me, my nose itches. I mean, he counted paper clips in the drawer. He took pictures of the way the pencils were in the um, pencil holder. Books on the shelves, if some were upside down or some were If some were tipped. tipped. He had everything documented down to the letter. Walt's office was used um, by other people. The last person to use Walt's office was Mark Cherry. Mark Cherry was responsible for the Desperate Housewives. After that, they've taken Walt's office and they have recreated it using not only Dave Smith's archives, but his photographs. They have recreated it to the way it was the day Walt passed away. And much of the stuff is original. The Disney family had saved it. It was in the Disney Family Museum for a while. They called it all back. To the way the books are on the shelf, he showed us the bookshelf and he showed us a photo and where there was a stack of books and there was one leaning, they have leaned that book back. Um, well, I thought it was fascinating. First of all, it wasn't, you, you think, okay, it's his office, so you go through his office. It wasn't just his office. He had a suite. So what you would do is you'd walk into a, uh, a reception, reception area, area. you see the reception desk that was recreated as well in the his movie office. saving mr banks he referred to her as tommy tommy was one of his three secretaries and we got to see tommy's office if you've seen the movie that's what we got to see so then there's his office and then there's another room this room wasn't recreated but it's where walt would stay and sleep if he was working late. So they didn't recreate it down to that. They also had a very public office where Walt would uh, meet guests, which was, that's what you see in Saving Mr. Banks. Next to that, I didn't know this existed, was what he called his working office. And what they had done was he had a desk, but it was lowered about a foot and a half. So it was a foot and a half lower than a regular desk. And he had that done specifically so that if people were standing around it or sitting around it, Everybody could see the same thing. So if there were diagrams or uh, maps or blueprints, 
everybody could see them so that no one had to stand. I thought that was fascinating. That to me said that's an attention to detail that I think some people don't have. So now I do want to say I leaned against the desk and touched an ashtray and I thought this tour guide was going to bludgeon me. She had a fit. And I don't want you to think that we got to run wild through Walt's office. There is a plastic runner that goes through the office and you are to stay on the plastic runner and not touch anything. So I know it's a recreation, but it's recreated to that time. I thought it was very, very personal on his desk or pictures of his kids. I got the same reaction I got from those eyeglasses. This is not just Disney history. This is a connection. And I think those things, those things, Touch me. Well, again, his actual desk, his actual chair, the actual curtains that were hanging in the office. I mean, these are really, it's cool to see that original stuff. When they archived it, there was curtains hanging, and behind one of the curtains was a small statue of a bull. A bull or a lion, I forgot. I think it's a bull. They moved the curtain back to show us that the bull that was there when Walt was using the office was behind that curtain. So it's that level. If you've ever taken the backstage magic tour at um, Disneyland or Disney World, where they take it's a one-day walking tour, they take you backstage at the American Pavilion, and they there's that scene where there um, Thomas Jefferson is writing the Declaration of Independence, and there are crumpled papers all over the floor. They explain to us that each of those crumpled papers has a draft of the Declaration of Independence on it. It's that level of detail. That's what they've done with Walt's office. You feel like that you were there with him. Yeah, no, I was going to – I've been in there on one of the D23 tours, and it's really, really really well done if you ever get the chance to to go in there and and be a part of it. Um, It's it's something that I recommend. But, yeah, like – just going off what Kevin said, it's recreated, but I would say for the better. It's all Walt's stuff. If that would have just been left in there for years and years and years and no one touched it, it could have all just been put into disarray. It, it needed to spend that time in the archives before it could be faithfully uh, repurposed and well, also, reused in this way. He also and, said, too, when he passed away... That was it. No one was allowed in that office. So it wasn't as if someone can go in and say, oh, look, I'm going to go take this picture or I'm going to take this. It was locked off. They wouldn't even let Dave Smith in for two years. Two years. But then, I mean, they told us that the right number of paper clips were in the desk. One of the things I was really thought was unbelievable was there was a bag on the floor, like a, not a, a suitcase, but a man's travel bag on the floor. And someone in our group said, well, what's up with that bag? And they said, that was Walt's bag. And in it are the original manuscripts that were in it the day he passed. So down to the things you can't see were recreated. It was incredible. So Blow Us, Blew Us Away was an unbelievable experience. The fact that we could take pictures like willy-nilly. Free, I, was, I thought, oh, we can't take pictures in here. Nope. And there were two guides. One was in the, the main office, and then there was a guide in the second office. And the guide in the second office, hi, Doug, was a man named Doug. And Doug is a listener. He's a listener to the show. It's funny. It was really cool. So that was one of the really cool things we got a chance to do that we haven't done on previous trips. Then you go to Imagineering. 
Imagineering is always tweaked. Mm -hmm. So while it's similar to what you see, you never see the same thing twice. So that's a great experience. I'm not going to ruin the Imagineering part of it. If you are a Disney fan, this is kind of what you live for. Getting a chance to pull the curtain back and seeing Imagineering and hear, talking to the Imagineers and hearing those stories. Then we move on to Disneyland. Am I missing anything in between? Yeah, you also get to shop at Mickey's of Glendale. Get to go to Mickey's of Glendale and shop as always and a big, big thing for our groups. Uh, then we move on to Disneyland and... The Disneyland portion of this trip is very similar to what we always do, similar to what everybody always does, except, again, this is decorated for Christmas. If you have not been to Disneyland for Christmas, you have to go. It is unbelievable what I they do. It. it is so the beautiful. Overlays they do everything. Now, I do have to say that while we were there this time, our weather in Disneyland and California Adventure were less than great. Disneyland was... Um, Spritzy rain on and off all day, 10 minutes of raining, an hour of not raining, but it was colder. And then Thursday was California Adventure Day, and that was Florida rain and cold. So we went from just having an umbrella to hiding under overhangs <laughs> and things like that. I really, the folks who have not done this trip before, that didn't stop them. Mm-hmm. They were full steam ahead doing everything they wanted to do. We had an Imagineer who talked to us about the decorations and how Disneyland decorates was fascinating. Um, Talking about how, you know, they have to do everything in such a short period of time without having any guest impact. So, you know, they'll get the announcement that they get to work right away when the park closes and they'll get the announcement at 6 a.m. Listen, you have an hour to get your trucks off the street. One of the things that happens when you do this is you are the first people in Disneyland. And you go in very early. It's a very early morning. It's a, We entered the park at 6.30. We had the gentleman talk to us about the decorations, and then we have pictures in front of the castle. While we were on Main Street, there was an announcement that the park had to be show-ready in 30 minutes. And there were people, I won't tell you what they were doing, but there were cars and trucks and machinery. Yeah, it was very cool. And the announcement was everybody has to be show ready in 30 minutes and you could see people scramble. It was kind of neat to see that. That's something, you know, most people don't get to see. It was awesome. Um, something else Kevin and I had a chance to do. This is not part of the adventure. We were lucky enough to get to do this because of, uh, some acquaintances we have. We got a chance to get a club 33, uh, the newly renovated club 33 had not been in it. Unbelievable experience. This was not planned. This was a surprise that happened on the day. And somebody that has traveled with us in the past has remained friendly with someone who was traveling with us on this trip and offered us the opportunity to eat there. So that was really cool. The food was out of this world. Unbelievable. So I want to end with a story or a piece of information that you learned on this trip. When we were in the, yeah, no, like you, oh no, I don't know what it is. You know, when we were in the Plaza restaurant and it was the shape of the chairs. Oh, the one of the people in charge of the Plaza restaurant told us a story. Val and I, it was raining. Val and I went in after having our picture taken and we were in the restaurant early and we went to sit down. And first of all, the person, the character that greeted us was Rafiki. So I was sitting there while Valerie went out to use the restroom, and I got blessed by Rafiki. No one saw it. 
other than me. But Rafiki did this whole thing and then made symbols on my forehead. Did he lift you to the sky? I like asked Simba. the same question. He, he held me up and told me that I owned everything the light touched. <laughs> okay. Good. Um, I said to him, I said, did you pick him up like baby Simba? And Rafiki did this thing where he pretended his back was hurting him. <laughs> like, <laughs> we were sitting in the plaza restaurant and the, the chairs in the plaza restaurant are round with a round um, seat. And the manager said to Valerie and I, do you know why almost all of the chairs in Disneyland are round? And I thought, no. He said, it's in case of a natural disaster or an emergency. And I thought, okay. Each one of those round things, they have, um, can be removed. It's just a screw or two holding the cushion on. But then they have specially made bags that each of those chairs can become an emergency toilet in the case of an earthquake or something. This came out of nowhere. What? And he explained this to us. And so he, people can just crap in the chairs? Oh my God. What is happening? He tried to be delicate about it and Tracy went right for it. The top of the chairs come off. This is what he told me. I have no right, proof. Not prompted. Not, not prompted. Tell us why I didn't the chairs ask. round. This was information he gave us. And he said, the chairs pop off, and we have a supply of bags specifically designed for this that hang over the... It's a metal chair. Usually they're okay. metal. And it hangs over it, and they become emergency toilets in the case of a natural disaster if there was an earthquake in California. If people had a shelter in place and needed an emergency place to go, they could go to plaza. almost every chair in, in Not Disneyland. just the plaza. Yeah. All of Disneyland. As you go all over Disneyland, most of the chairs are round and the cushions come off. Again, I don't know if he was pulling our leg. He was very detailed about them having the bags backstage. Yeah, I don't know why he would tell you this story out of I, nowhere. I mean, this was not prompted. This was not tell me something about this restaurant that I don't know. So many thoughts going through my head right now. So, you know, that's our Christmas story. <laughs> Merry <laughs> Christmas, everyone. I came to breakfast and I said, do you know why your chair is red? As he's eating bacon. <laughs> <laughs> because right. it's got a dual purpose. <laughs> Was, if you've eaten too much bacon, they can get you a special bag. If this was one of those bus driver stories, I'm telling you now, I have no proof of this. This was told to me unrequested. It just came out. But I thought it was interesting. So you never know what backstage detail you're going to find out when you take a backstage magic. Um, again, Great trip. We love this trip any time of year. It's extra special at Christmas time because of Disneyland. One of the other Christmas. things that's different about Disneyland than Walt Disney World is because there are four parks here, our Christmas decorations, except for Epcot, usually end at Main Street or the Main Street equivalent. At Disneyland, the whole park is decorated. The Haunted Mansion and Small World, are over. they have an overlay for the holiday. It is. It is literally... All around the park. It is. And that's that's really kind of cool. Very, very cool. So we enjoyed it very much. That you have some information about pricing in case you're interested in one of these trips. I looked at December 1st through December 6th of 2019. Adult pricing is $3,499 per adult. That's double occupancy. I'm going to tell you that most of them are just under $7,000 for two people. Right. And again, what's I think is interesting is this is opening day pricing. So these haven't gone up. So 3499, 3319 per child. Um again based on double occupancy. So um not 
terribly expensive, certainly affordable. And if you're looking to do it, I think it's a great value. You I get, want to jump in here for just a second. Let me give second. one more piece of information. Okay. Dreams Unlimited Travel gives you a discount based on the total of your reservation. So when you go to our site and use our calculator, you'll be able to see your total price and then you'll see the discount we provide that comes off the top. Okay. I just want to, I, a question that I get quite often is, is this appropriate for children? And I would say I, my answer to everyone is it depends on the child and it depends on your knowledge of the child. We have traveled with an eight year old who had read every appropriate biography of Walt Disney, had read a, a book about Imagineering and was fascinated by all of this. This is not a run into the park and run wild with fast passes kind of thing. It's a guided tour. There's a lot of historical data. You do get to see backstage at things. Um, so there's a little bit of magic explanation. I think it depends on your child. There is on your own time each day while you're in the park. But the first two days are more about the history, about the information, about seeing how Imagineering works. So it really depends on your child. I would say if your kid is under six, they would have to be exceptionally interested in the workings of a theme park to enjoy this. Again, even up to 10, it depends on your child. You know them better than I do. And these days are full. You know, you get to Disneyland and you're going from place to place to place. You're seeing things. You're experiencing stuff. They do give you fast passes. They are attached to your entrance ticket and you have five per day. I know that, you know, people say only five. Your free time is measured in hours. Right. After the end of the tour, they tell you you're off on your own. You, five passes is enough. So, again, if that that should play into whether you think this is an appropriate trip for your child. Uh, and people are used to Walt Disney World with my Disney experience thinking that everything has a fast pass. Disneyland doesn't have that many fast pass attractions, actually. So, and a lot of ones, um, you you don't need them or you don't need to like waste your paper one on like Haunted Mansion that fast pass never sells out throughout the day so you can always use just your regular park admission to go and get one on top of that too so five is is a lot but also even unnecessary they could probably cut it back to three but don't I'm say I that mean, but like for Radiator Springs Racers you're going to need a fast pass right and there's also Specific fast passes loaded for when you do group activities. You know, there was one for Radiator Springs, so people got to ride that. So, with your with your uh, adventure, you get a four day park hopper. The park hopper is good for the day you transition to Disneyland. That's the day you've gone to Disney Studios and Imagineering. We did a group activity that night, and then there were fireworks. The next day is Disneyland. And it's good all that day. The next day is California Adventure. It's good all that day. But the good thing is the only thing on the last day is your farewell breakfast. And people leave depending on when your flights are. They leave throughout the day. Your ticket, if you're thinking about spending an extra night at Disneyland, your ticket is good for that entire day. It's very true. So, again, these sound expensive. They are worth every penny of it. You get a lot for your money um, from all of the accommodations and the meals and the tickets and all that, plus the extras and the specials along the way. Uh, people are already asking us about our 2019 trips. We have one that's sold out. We're going to work on doing another one. We don't have a date yet for that. We're going to try to build another trip uh, 
Dreams Unlimited Travel group backstage magic, and we will make sure that information gets out as soon as we have it. But that's it. Anything you want to add, Kevin, before we go? Kevin at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Or your Dreams Unlimited Travel agent. Or you can go to our uh, online calculator and get a price right online. Thank you guys for helping out. Thank you for participating. Thank you everybody at home for listening and watching. We hope you have a great week and we hope you have a great vacation.